If you're listening to this, I know you're probably wanting to grow your mortgage business. Recently, we did a series of workshops to help brokers figure out how to scale more quickly. Basically, I took the best ideas from 11 years of brokering and three years of research on auto mortgage brokering and created a program to help brokers scale. We had 50 people go through the program, and one of my favorite parts was when my students would take the ideas and go out and come up with a new twist and make them better. One of my students took four of our top 12 realtor strategies, created a slide presentation that he's used to present to big real estate teams, and he's killing it. In fact, one of the teams had done over 250 ends last year, and he was able to get a referral before he even left the building. If you're interested in finding out how to scale your business, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash blueprint to find out more. At the end of the three months or six months or 12 months, what do you want to have as far as cash in the bank, you know, a lifestyle that you're living? And what does that drill down to total daily income? And when I did this, it blew my mind as far as what I need to make every day. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. I had Rob Campbell on the show today, the notorious Rob Campbell. Rob, I've known for many years. He's a mortgage broker, uh, very entertaining guy, really active on social and incredibly self-aware. And so we talked about how to business plan for the next year. And so Rob shared a strategy that honestly, if you're listening to this, you're really going to want to watch it on video because it's not going to make a lot of sense when he's walking through the spreadsheet or the on how to you know business plan for the next year. Um, I also showed a, shared a one-page business plan that we've used. Um, and a lead tracking tool and so and we got a ton of interaction from the audience as well so there's questions in there that people threw at us like should you continue to do b deals and should you use a facebook page or should you use a personal facebook page it was a fantastic episode it turned into an hour uh, but we had a lot of fun with it and we're really enjoying this new format so if you're interested in being a part of the next recording that we're doing, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash live and you can find out when the next live taping is going to happen. And then if you have questions, you can bring them to us. So we would love to have you know more questions to us or for the guests that we have on the show. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I personally don't do B deals. I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for to private lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they are really, really fast. In most cases, they can give you an answer in two hours, which is awesome. So if you're a broker looking for a lender in BC or Alberta for a private deal, check them out at pioneerwest.com and tell them you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, how's it going, Rob? Good, how are you? Good. So the topic for us today is business planning for 2018. So why don't you share your first sort of, the, in terms of business planning, what, what, what have you done in the past? Let's start there. How about before we even get into your ideas, tell me what you've done in the past and then we can talk about how you've changed it now. I always had analysis paralysis. I'd always wonder what would be the first step. I would always spend too much time on, you know, what is this thing going to look like and, and what is a business, you know, what is a business plan in this business? And so I'd always, I'd always just kind of, fumbled along. And then um, Macquarie Financial put out a really good business plan back when they were still in the market. Uh, and, and it got- You know what? They could have used a better business plan. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, no, no, you, no, they had a great business plan. You that for me. And I was like, you know, they could have- I know, I lobbed it to you. They yeah. had a great business plan. They just, they just, uh, they exited the market because they weren't a, you know, they're a financial, you know, they, they, Macquarie's got a lot of different arms, but- they're an infrastructure company, I believe, out of Australia, right? They own, they own their, their bread and butter's infrastructure, airports and highways and stuff. Anyway, so I'd always just kind of fumble along. And but by the way, I want everybody to understand on this call, because there's like record-breaking numbers on the call. I just want to have a little bit of social proof and humble bragging how many people think I'm special. I'm not, you know, the point of this call is to let everybody know that I'm not actually that special. Uh, and, and this is something that I've found to be true by going out and, and going to events. I want everybody to understand that nothing is unattainable. And I, I'm not trying to get down this like chakra rubbing rocks and chanting, you know, if you see it and perceive it, you'll, you'll attain it. it. It comes down to hard work every single day, but I'm nothing special. So I hope nobody's getting onto this call to think I've got the frickin' the Pandora's box. The business plan... I always just kind of fumbled around with until I got a hold of the Macquarie Financial Business Plan. And it's a really stripped down version of where were you 
where are you at? Where do you want to go? I actually have it. I know this is going to probably turn into an audio file, so that's cool. Uh, um, I'll send the uh, the business plan and the uh, the Tim Ferriss item that I have to discuss. I'll send those over to Scott so he can maybe put them up on iHeart Mortgage Brokering uh, fan page and maybe the website. But we're going to look at them today. The business plan I've always I've always sat down November or December and and mapped out what just happened in this year, right? And I always keep my old business plans. They're in a binder or a folder. And it's actually really good to go back and look at those years as you progress because it's a little bit of a reward. Well, it could be one of two things. It could be you slapping yourself back into a state of focus, or it could be a good moment where you you pat yourself on the back and and realize your achievements for the year, right? Uh, the business plan can't be written and put it away into a into a folder. You can't just write this thing and focus uh, all of your efforts on w- what you're doing and where you want to go and what you want to do. And then just put it into a folder and put it into the filing cabinet, right? That doesn't work. It's no different than having something up on your wall uh, that you read every day or a mantra or, or, or something that you can read out and, and refocus every day. I mean, Scott, like with the people that you've talked to over the over the years of doing the podcast, would, would you say that that's true? They're constantly reviewing their goals. Oh, yeah. And actually, one of the things that I, I, I'm not going to wait till you're done, but I, basically one of the things I believe is that they say Dwight D. Eisenhower said uh, business plans or plans are useless, but the process is useful. And so the idea that you can't have a 19 page business plan that you're like, oh, we're going to implement this. Like, what are you going to do with that? So you, it has to be simple. And ultimately, it's got my mind, it's got to get to an action like, okay, the, the purpose of the plan is that, like you just said, I think it's brilliant. I actually haven't seen the Macquarie one in a long time. So I'm interested to see yours because we have one called the one page business plan, which sounds almost identical to what you're doing. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what that looks like. But where, where were you? Where do you want to go? And then how are you going to get there? That's the three questions. And then it really boils down to the daily activities. And then you do have to reorient. You got to look at that 30,000 foot level and go, hey, you know what, this type of lead is very not productive. We need to go somewhere else. But so I'm interested to see with what you, what, how this looks with the Macquarie one that I haven't seen in a while. Cause I know I've seen it, at, I'm sure yeah. at one point, but I probably, some, I, you learn things and sometimes you forget where you even learn them. So again, sitting down, writing out, and I'll, and I'll just kind of give a, a nod of the cap to um, a tip of the hat to Dustin Woodhouse, who if anybody's ever gone to his events and you've got a hold of the magical spreadsheet that he has, I have a spreadsheet as well. That's not nearly as uh, insane in the membrane as his, but I do have a spreadsheet that I've used before having my CRM now that I use where I'd, I'd map everything, the client, you know, the lead name, who the referral partner was, what step of the process it's in, what lender it's gone to, the loan amount, you know, the premium, the CMHC premium, uh, and then the comp, right? Lender, closing date, comp, what month, and then it tabulates down to the month you're going to be getting paid. So I keep a track of all those leads. We do it a little a little different now with our CRM, but that tracking really does tie into your business plan at the end of the year because now you can go back to all of those leads, whether it's just a, a just a, a a random phone call off of Google or or uh, or a handshake from a realtor partner. You can track all of those and then map those out going forward. So at the beginning of the year, you think you might depend solely on realtor referrals, but by the end of the year, you know you might have achieved a point where half of your business is current client referrals or maybe marketing, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're not tracking, you don't know and you don't know what trajectory you're on. That mapping really does play a key role into the business planning moving forward because for me anyway, because I want to know what's worked, what hasn't, and and maybe some of those relationships have fallen off and you can uh, reevaluate those relationships. So I'll take take maybe 10 minutes to just five to 10 minutes to skim through this business plan. This is not actually the Macquarie business plan, but this is a very stripped down version of it. And, you know, the first page is, you know, please note below your 2017 year end results. So, you know, when, when you fill this out, don't skip anything, fill it all out, put the dates in, you know, put the dates in that you reviewed it, maybe put a calendar date ahead of time to, to pick this up in a month or two to, to snap you back into reality. So I got this from Scott Dawson. There you go, Scott, checks in the mail. This is the top of the business plan. Um, again, this is for people who don't know where to start. This is a great, great uh, way to start. So your productivity, how much funded volume did you do this year? I've relied less and less on this actual number. As Scott could probably agree to with talking with loan officers in the state or brokers here in Canada, this is subject to your market. You know, your average mortgage size could be 200000 It could be 500000 This number is really, I mean, I, I wish we would all stop judging, uh, you know, top 75 on this number. 
because this is kind of irrelevant. I feel that not, like units, the key to focus on. How many units can you process through your calendar year? And then your average mortgage size, again, this will come from your spreadsheet that you're keeping track of, or your CRM should be able to tell you that. And I agree with you, Rob. I think, I think I think you do need to focus on units, not volume, because volume is very like, if you're in a small town, you could be 200 grand a deal. And I, I found actually people from the smaller communities that do, tend to be more efficient. They just, by necessity, they crank out more loans. And and uh, if you take that same person, like a Mark Good who's doing 500 loans a year, you put him in Vancouver and the guy is like, you know, a bajillionaire, right? Yeah, um, of course. And that's an actual mortgage term now. I don't know if people know that, but bajillionaire. bajillionaire. It's true. He, Mark it's actually- true. The guy's a machine. Shout out to Mark Good. Uh, the guy's a machine, right? No, smaller markets don't fall victim to number in mortgage amount because I've done that in the past. And then, but you really got to figure out, oh, it's about the units that you can process. It's not about the loan amount. Efficiencies, this is really important. Approval to application ratio, funded to schedule, uh, schedule to fund ratio and conversion. I, I'll be very honest with you. I don't really focus on this stuff. I let my spreadsheet focus on that. And I go from lead. I want to know at the end of the year what my lead to fund ratio is. So the time that I get an email or a phone call to actual client in the CRM, closed business, cash in the bank, you know, that's the number I focus on. That'll be different for everybody too. My, my main man, Ron Butler, mad props to Ron, Ronnie Butler, Mr. Ron Butler. You know, that, I don't know what that app to fund ratio is. I don't know what that business model is like. It, it might be lower. Obviously, I'm talking to way less people, so mine's going to be higher. But this is really important. Again, also your funding ratio with your lenders is super important, right? So that's important. Again, down to this section here, I'm going to zoom in a little bit. Down to this section here is where are you getting your business, right? You, you got to track this. When I first started this business plan, I didn't have a CRM or a spreadsheet I was really using. I just want, I mean, I have a pretty good memory when it comes to that. So I can go through and say, oh, John Smith. John Smith was referred to me by my next door neighbor. Okay, I might consider my next door neighbor a friend. So that was a friend for a referral from a friend. Oh, Jane Byer was referred by a coworker or whatever, right? That you just dive down and get those numbers because this is going to help you with the next steps and later on in the business plan. What types of mortgages? This is really important, especially in this, in this day and age of the business, right? Refis. I mean, monolines are still doing refis. It's no big secret that the brick and mortars are killing this space right now with rate, right? And flexibility. Purchases. How much was purchases? Uh, how much of your business? How many units did you crank out? And what was the total amount of productivity? And switch transfers maybe at maturity or, or halfway through. Your top lenders, you should know this, right? Who you're sending most of your business to, because that's going to help with your planning in this part, right? Because maybe I can guarantee you in 2017, 16, 2016, I'd sent way more of these to monolines than 2017. So again, more crucial now than ever. The next page is a SWOT analysis. It just goes over your strengths and your weaknesses and your opportunities and your threats. So what is your threat? You know, what, what are your threats in this market? Is it, is it a slowing down on the market? Uh, is it an increase in rates? Is it a reduction in housing starts? Well, I mean, if you're in Ontario, ain't no houses getting started in Ontario, but competition, you know, people in your market, people in, in your immediate market. What are your strengths? For me, it's definitely not my good looks, uh, but it is my personality, which means I do better face-to-face -face with people or interacting with people. That's just my wheelhouse, and that's where I kind of excel. Uh, my weakness? I hate underwriting. I hate it. I love underwriters, but I hate underwriting. It's just because it's a part of my brain that doesn't work. So that's a weakness of mine. So anyway, you, you map all this out, right? It's going to help you know what you have to improve on, or as Tim Ferriss would have it, or Gary Vaynerchuk. If you have a weakness, don't even waste an ounce of effort trying to fix that weakness. Outsource that weakness. Scott, you agree? hundred percent. Yeah. You spent like what I think, I think is a useful active or process is to actually write out all the activities that you're doing in your business. And then the ones that are, you know, and then figure out what you're worth per hour. So that's the other thing that I recommend. So what, do you, what is your time worth per hour? A hundred bucks an hour, 200 bucks an hour. And then ask yourself, would you pay somebody $200 an hour, hundred dollars an hour to order an appraisal? And if the answer is no, then stop doing it yourself and get someone else to do it. Right. And I totally agree that you have to focus on the areas that are the highest value for your business. And when you're first starting out, you try to do everything, but as you start to scale or grow, you're going to have to start handing stuff off. So we should, I want to come back to that yeah. so in your business right now. What, how are you handling that? Like, do you have help or do, what's your process like? No, I do everything myself. So my wife, God bless her, works with me. She does all the compliance stuff. Um, after the file is done because, uh, 
we have all of our files digitally stored so she can jump in and and send that file in for compliance. And uh, she also does the, we do a lot of handwritten cards. I know, you, you know, send out cards is a big thing for the automated process, but we like handwritten cards with gift cards in them. So mm-hmm. she'll come in and put down five cards on my desk and go, Scott Packford, Scott Dawson. I, I haven't seen Ron one. Butler. Like, I haven't seen one. Like, like so clearly it must be stuck in the mail or something. I only threw your name in there to make you feel good. I would okay. never send you a thank you card. Okay. okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how we do it still. So all of that backend stuff that I know is super important, but I just can't do because my brain doesn't want to do it. Or like you said, highest use, best, best use of time. But underwriting, I do myself. You know, following up the lawyer, everything is done myself. This January, I'll be hiring an underwriter. So I'll be pretty pumped about underwriting and fulfillment. It's going to change so, your life. Uh, it's going to change your life. Yeah, I, I, that's what I hear. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'll actually tie into the whole money per hour thing. It'll segue well into um, the next section. So your territory and market. Describe your territory and market. What's the economic outlook for the market? What's the ge- geographic description? A lot of the stuff can be found on Google or um, census, right? census polls like it might be outdated but it's going to give you an idea uh cultural makeup average family size size average age average household income just it, all this is doing is making you focus on getting off of that rat or the hamster wheel of got to get a deal got to get a deal got to get a deal and to step back and look at the broader picture of actually planning sitting down and planning out your year and how that's going to look and mortgage type, like what's the mortgage market? Some parts in our province in Ontario are predominantly going to be blue collar, maybe a lot of alternative uh, lending because of the market or the employment type, right? Or you get, you drill down into the high net worth areas. It's not going to be, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm uh, painting a picture here for this section. It's not always the case. Obviously, there's B lending in Toronto or whatever, but just drill down to what the mortgage market is. Competition, you know, list out your competitors and what's their competitive advantage and how are you going to overcome that competitive advantage? So, you know, if your competitor, I'm going to pick on my main, my main man, Ron Butler, who I purposely have up there for a reason. I want to address that for a second. I have him up there for two reasons. He's always watching my, over my shoulder to make sure I'm actually working so he doesn't steal my business. Not that he's going to steal my business because this segues into this part. Ron's not a competitor of mine. You know, maybe some people, Ron is a competitor of theirs. I don't view Ron as a competitor. I don't view Dan Eisner as a competitor. I saw both of them at MPC. They're both amazing guys. Uh, my, my personal opinion, they're both amazing guys. Very easy to talk to if you actually walk up and say hello instead of, you know, it's so easy for us to throw darts at everybody in this industry that might not be playing in the same game that we're playing. But so Ron's not a competitor of mine. Maybe he will be one day, but he's not, right? So really focus on what's your, what's your true competition and where are you losing business or people in your marketplace? Strategy development, right? Describe your strategy for your continued growth in those, with those referral partners, pretty self-explanatory. And then action. When are you going to complete the action? What are you going to do? How are you going to get more business from these people? That's really what, what that's about. Repeat business. Again, like past clients, right? Internet. Are you getting leads from the internet? Do you want to? Is this something you want to focus on? What are you going to be your actions? Okay, and when are you going to get this done by? And then actually be honest with yourself. Beat yourself up. Remember back in the day when we all had some sort of hourly or salary job, if we didn't do the shit that we were supposed to do, your boss would beat you up, right? right. You, you'd, you'd have well, to complete I, I was stuff, union, so. so they couldn't really do much with me. They were just like, well, oh, we'd, man, like, you we'd had like to fire you, but we can't, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, no kidding. Actually, I had a boss tell me once about firing somebody else. Say, you know, you know how hard it is to fire somebody Rob, because you know the person wasn't doing their job. I was like, okay, cool, peace, I'm out. Um, <laughs> new business. Describe your strategy for the development of new business. Like, what's the new business you're looking to get, right? And again, action items. Uh, action items for implementation of your strategy for new business. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of repeating stuff. So here we go. Annual funded volume. What do you want to fund in 2018? right? What's the dollar amount? But again, units, obviously you're going to want to focus on dollar amount because you know what you funded this year and maybe you want to focus on a growth strategy, but focus on units. How much, how much can you crank out in the next year, right? Seasonality. We all know that you're not going to get 80% of your business in January. January is like the morgue season of the industry for me. Anyway, January is always dead. Where does your business fall in line with what month? And there's a six-month checkup here to see where you are and, and tracking. Again, goal, number, 
actual units. Break this down. Fill it out. How many deals do you want to do in January? Sorry, Dustin. How many files do you want to do in January? How many files do you want to do in February? And so on and so on, okay? And funding ratio goals, self-explanatory. And you're going to hire, okay, if you want to hire new people, that's, if you want to hire new people and you're developing a team, you're probably not looking at a business plan like this. It's probably a different business plan. That's kind of it. Marketing goal. I found this kind of useful, you know, even just as a one-off to stick up on your wall. You know, what are you going to do as far as marketing? Are you going to send out newsletters? Are you going to send out postcards? Are you going to email people through your CRM? Trade shows and events. I mean, I've never done a trade show or an event. And sponsorship. Do you want to sponsor any sports teams or, you know, be a sponsor on anything? Scott, I mean, have you ever, have you done uh, trade shows or events? And found I've, that- Yes, I've done uh, events like, you know, workshops or either lunch and learns for realtors. I've done uh, client events. I think a couple client events a year is a good idea if you are the type of person that wants to see your clients. And then I've done some, spo- I sponsored my hockey team. So I paid for the jerseys for our team. And it turned like the cost, it turned into business for me because you just, you're sitting there drinking beers and I'm like, what do you do anyway? And then, you know, it always, if I'm going to be there, it's a way to kind of bring up what you do without being kind of sleazy. Right. And yeah, I wasn't a very good hockey player. So they didn't use me as a mortgage broker because of my hockey skills. They, it was definitely, it must've been the jerseys that did it. Must've been. Again, like write down what you want to, you know, for seasonal cards, I'll kind of skim over this because it's self-explanatory, but like seasonal cards, you're not going to send out shit every month. Let's be honest. I don't know about you, but when I get stuff in my mailbox, it goes right into the garbage. That's it. It just, oh, cool, postcard, done. But, you know, February, I've sent out Valentine's Day cards. You know, the summer, you know, I've sent out postcard, goofy postcards about the end of school, like parents panicking, pulling out their hair. You know, enjoy your summer kind of a deal. Just something, an email and trade show and sponsorships. Again, just mapping it out, doing the actual map out is key. So that kind of wraps up the business plan template. Again, we'll share this with Scott, put up on the page or on the Isle of Mortgage Brokering website um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a downloadable PDF. The second thing I want to talk about is this. This is called the Dreamline. And I got this, uh, again, if, if you're listening to this in the audio, we're looking at the, the Tim Ferriss uh, four-hour workweek Dreamline. So I read the four-hour workweek mm, 2011, 2012. And we all know, I'm going to go through this and explain it, but we all know that we've had that point in our career where all we want to do, like we were told, just get in front of people, just get in front of people, just get in front of people. Right. And you spend your days going out and having coffee with everybody. I mean, it can be grueling. And when I actually filled out this dreamline, I realized that I was spending way too much time with way too many people that wasn't going to help me during my business day. I'm not talking about cutting off like personal relationships with your friends or any of that stuff. But like on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, you shouldn't be going out having a three hour coffee with somebody talking to you about the friggin' skiing trip on the weekend. Like I, that's not, that's not a focus time effort, right? So Tim Ferriss has this dreamline in the four hour work week, and it's actually a downloadable PDF. And there's three sections here that, I always focus on uh, on this three-hour workweek dreamline. The first block here is the having. So do you have an Aston Martin? Is that your goals or is that his? No, no, no. These were all written in as as written in in the book. Yeah, yeah. No judging. No judging. I walked to work. (laughs) I walked to work, homie. It's eight minutes. Eight minute walk to the office. I just saved my Aston Martin money, put it in my pocket. So the first section is having. The the second section is being, and the third section is doing. Okay. So what do you want to have? And over here, it says, you know, in blank months, I dream of. So I, I normally do two of these when I sit down and do them. I do a three-month and I do a six-month. Okay, so the three-month is going to be immediate. What do I want to do immediately for the first quarter? And then six months is what am I working towards? So having, these are, these are you know, tangible items, right? I want a personal assistant. I want a car. I want, you know, a, a skateboard or whatever. I don't know what he's put on here. Then in the next section here, you got to put down what that actually works out to be for a cost. And the whole goal of this is to drill it down to the total, the target daily income. That's what this section is right here. Can you see that highlighted? All of these things, what you want to have, what you want to be, tell and what you want to do. He does not have kids. You know, the target daily income would probably not. <laughs> my kids would be like, dude, what? like that, that wouldn't work. So, but no, I don't. No, no, no. Yeah, he doesn't have kids. The section here being is what you want to be, right? Like he wants to be a best-selling author. He wants to be fluent in another language. You want to be an excellent cook. When you put this over to this block here, just so there's no confusion, the second block here is the actual 
what you have to do, and then the costs associated with it. All this is going to do is drill down what you want to have at the end of the year as far as money in the bank, in your pocket, or items, or a lifestyle, or whatever. This all ties back into the business plan. At the end of the three months, or six months, or 12 months, what do you want to have as far as cash in the bank, you know, a lifestyle that you're living, and what does that drill down to total daily income? And when I did this, it blew my mind as far as what I need to make every day. Okay. And again, I'm not perfect. So my dream line from four years ago, I probably still haven't even achieved half of the shit on there. But to be honest with you, the biggest breakthrough for me was the total daily income for me, I was over 300 bucks a day, which is crazy. It quickly taught me that your business day between 8am or 7am or whenever it is you're waking up and starting to grind to whenever it is that you're going home and kissing the family and eating dinner, that's, that's your work day. And if you're not producing, in this case, $197.90 per business day, you're failing. Mm-hmm. And this is going to quickly real, you're going to quickly realize when you hone in on this, this will only take you an afternoon to do. It's not going to take you long. When you drill down, you're going to realize that you got to pull up your socks and actually work during the day and not go, oh, hey, Scott. Hey, Peckford, you want to go grab a beer? Oh, it's been so long since I've seen you. No, no, no. You're going to quickly realize that that can wait till the weekend. Okay. You got to allocate all that social shit into your non-working hours. There's a sample there to help you help guide you through what, how to fill this out. And then, you know, some action steps over on the side here. And then the second page is blank. So when you print it off, I always print off two or three or four. Chances are you're going to screw up one page the first time you do it. It's going to look like a mess. Mine normally have scribbles all over it, up all over here. That's really helped me with going back to this, the business plan. Because when you do the dream line, you're going to realize what you need to make per day to, to maintain this lifestyle. And then this is going to chunk back up to your yearly income, what you need to make per year to live this lifestyle. You don't have to own an Aston Martin, right? But maybe you want to have, maybe you want to have a two or $300,000 income, right? You're going to have to drill that down to what that is per day. And then that's going to tie back into this. How many deals do I have to crank through or leads, chunk it back up to how many times the phone has to ring in a day to get to that point? That's basically it, Scotty. That's awesome. I, you know what? An exercise I did recently was I went through figuring out what your monthly nut to crack is. And so basically figuring out all of your personal expenses, your business expenses, you know, money that we're going to give for giving, money that we're for taxes, like stuff you always, you know, forget about taxes, right? You're like, and then I, so I, I actually did the calculation on that and I was like, uh, holy crap, that number is a lot bigger than I if, if I, if I were to shoot from the hip until I actually did the math. And I'm talking about like car insurance and like all of this, my kid's school and all the stuff that we pay for. And it was incredibly useful for me to look at that and go, okay, I, for me, I determined how, I, how much I want to make an hour. And then I constantly ask myself, is this worth that much per hour? Is this is activity that I'm doing? Is it worth this? And if not, then I'm like, okay, should I be doing it? Or should I get someone else to do it? Or should we just not do it? And so I completely agree with you on the, uh, on this idea of figuring out what your, you know, your numbers. And I think that even though we work in numbers as mortgage brokers, we have a tendency to not always do our own numbers. And so I like that idea. I never figured out the total daily income. I just figured out what my monthly nut to crack was. And then I was like, okay, how many, what does that look like for me on an hourly basis? What do I want to make? And, uh, and I, and my nut to crack is just my minimum. That's just to cover the stuff that, you know, is important. That doesn't mean anything extra. So have you ever done anything like that, Rob? I have. I feel like this is way easier to do now in 2018 than it was when I first stumbled upon it in 2012 because a lot of the stuff that you can offload now wasn't around five years ago. Mm-hmm. Like there was no lender spotlight, right? I'm, I know I'm giving Hanaberry a plug. There was no lender spotlight. There was no doc assist. There was no send out cards. There, like there was none of this stuff. Whereas now I feel like it's so much easier to implement this stuff. Listen, if you want to spend your time filling out Christmas cards all day long, I mean, we choose to do that because we want handwritten stuff, right? But most of the legwork is going to be done by somebody else. And then I'm, I kind of swoop in and do my chicken scratch for a signature. But it, it comes down to everything in this dreamline. And if anybody hasn't read the four hour work, week, it's a great book because it really focuses on automation, which ties into, the, the systems and, and procedures that we can kind of pay for now in this business. Whereas five years ago or 10 years ago, you couldn't, right? 
Okay, I, I love it. I'm going to go. So I want to, a couple things I want to walk through as well. So the first thing I was I came up with was the nut to crack, which we I recently did. Uh, and then in terms of tracking leads, so I'm going to do a screen share and show you. I've got two things that I want to show you. I had this thing created. So let's say it's Tom, you know, Cruz, and it's a purchase loan amount three fifty month. So this just has the critical data. I don't think you need to have everything in. You know, you you can, yeah. but status. So the cool part about this is if I change it to pre-approval, it should, it moved over to the top, to the pre-approvals category. So now, and then if I change it to pending, it will show up in the pending category and see it's not in there right now. And then if I move it to closed, it's in the closed category. And then it also tracks the results in the end here. So it keeps track of the amount. And so it allows you to, like you had already said, I think it's important to track where's your business coming from. And then it tells you like where it came from, referred by, referred to, lead source, rate type. Like right now, there's opportunities with some variable rate clients. And so it's, if you can actually quickly go and find all those clients in your database, there's opportunities for you. So if, it's, if you have it in a way that's easy to find, and Phylogics is not easy to, to get data out of. Like you can pull data, but it's not, it's somewhat, uh, no. it's, 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 messy. it's intentionally designed to make it difficult for us to extract data. I talked to a guy who worked there for 25 years, and their original vision was that it would be this like kind of portal hub that never happened. And so the way the current system is, is it doesn't really work well for that. So I think that the one thing, if I, in terms of systems, the one system I think is important is lead tracking. And that way it allows you to keep track of where your business is at on a real-time basis. And the second one is, so I have this, uh, and this is something that's still, we're like, I'm still playing with, but it's basically this one page business plan. Because my thinking has always been, if a business plan is complicated, and there's a lot of great, so not like the one that you showed was awesome, but if it's a lot of stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to get lost in it. And so what, yeah. what I thought is if you can fit it on a single page, then I can print it off and I can like, okay, this is something I can actually do. And so then this basically just goes through similar questions. Why did I become a mortgage broker? It's, if you don't remember your why, then you're going to forget, you know, they always say, if you have a strong enough why you can do any how. And so you need to remind yourself of that. Um, what do you want to achieve? Uh, what three activities you're going to commit to? Uh, which area you're going to focus on in Q1. So there's, I think your business has leads, teams, and systems, and there's always an area that needs your focus. For us right now, it's team. Like we really need to hire somebody. We've got leads. We can get more leads, but we, if we don't get our team sorted out, we're not going to be able to grow. And then I think accountability. I think one of the problems that we, that I see when I talk to top loan officers, mortgage brokers, is that um, we are, you know, we're like a herding cats. We are all strong personalities. We want to be in charge, but we're never accountable. And because of that, the people that are the most successful have accountability. And so I think you need to have accountability to the activities that you say you're going to do. And then it comes down to, I personally am a huge fan of the phone. So I think that, and this is something that's come from, you know, a lot of the top people that I talk to are really uh, proactive about their phone use. And so basically you have a plan who you're going to phone on what day. And then this base, you take your results, where you're coming from last year. So you just fill this out, you fill in the gray areas, put in your, your gross commission, put in what you want to make for next year. So let's say it's 300,000 it'll automatically calculate based on your current closing ratio, the number of leads you need to generate, the number of closings, and then based on, and it'll kind of give you an estimate. And then it'll tell you, you say, okay, are you going to do face-to-face meetings? Because for me, if I meet with a realtor or referral partner, I know that I get, you know, that's a high probability of me generating more business. And then it's how many calls. And so the whole purpose of the plan is to drive down to what is the weekly action plan. Because I think a a business plan is great as like a 30,000 foot level. You know, you could look at your business and go, you know, I'm getting my leads from advertising. Let's say that number was different. Let's say that number was 60. And you're like, the closing ratio is horrible on these. Like maybe this is not a good use of my time, right? Versus, oh, the ones that are client from past clients are at a 50% closing ratio. So not all activities are equal. So by by being able to measure that, you'll be able to know where's the best use of your time. So the idea is that you should be spending, you know, if you made this many calls per week, so based on this program, and I, I kind of messed with that there, but based on this program, let's say you got from that, you would need to make 35, if you made 35 calls a week and did five face-to-face meetings, the, the biggest problem you're going to have is you're going to have to hire somebody. Like everybody that, so we've run a program recently for a bunch of mortgage brokers and almost everybody's like, I'm so busy, I can't keep up. And it's usually from being proactive. So you get, being proactive drives more business. But then if you don't have help, then you, then you have to stop being proactive work. And so my thinking is that the purpose of the plan is to give you the 30,000 foot and then cycle down to, okay, what does that mean today? So kind of like what you're talking about, focus on the daily activities because that's what's going to move the needle the most. That's my like, any thoughts on that? What are your comments, thoughts? Your spreadsheet there is basically, I mean, it's not identical, but it's very close to what I have. I have a Google Docs sheet uh, that's just been a growing entity for five years now before I got heavily involved in the CRM that we're using. But I agree. And I'm quite frankly, I'm at a point where 
I'm my own worst enemy. There's certain things I hate doing and I'm busy enough now that I have to do them, but I really don't want to. And that's always been an issue, right? And one of those things, like I said, is underwriting, underwriting and fulfillment. So our model, like my model that I've always tried to do my best at doing is collecting all the docs up front at the time of application. I actually watched your $100 million journey with David Ford, I think, where you mm-hmm. you went up like a million flights of stairs and then later on he told you he had an elevator. Yeah, I know, what a jerk, right? Dick move, but great guy. You get to a point where you just, you can't do it all anymore, right? When no. you're doing 10 units a year or you're doing 20 units a year or 30 units a year, it's manageable. You can do it. You can send in the underwriting. You can collect the docs. You can answer the thousand uh, questions on the phone, right? I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I don't want to say I'm losing business, but I'm actually in my own way because I don't want to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I'm going to be bringing on somebody to do the underwriting and fulfillment for me because this is what I love to do. I love talking to people. I love talking to clients and referral partners and past clients and giving away stuff on our Facebook page. I love all of that stuff. I absolutely hate figuring out who's got the best VCR sheet. If my clients X, the, like, I absolutely hate that stuff. Right. And uh, you, you will make it, it money. Can get in your way. Guaranteed. Like, so yeah, absolutely. This guy, Carl White, who I'm a big fan of out of the U S. And so he always says, you yeah, write, yeah, small, yeah. write small checks to cash big checks. And so for me having yeah. somebody that you're paying 20 bucks an hour or whatever, so that you can go out and make a hundred or $200 an hour, that's a really good trade of your time. Right. And so, but what I often agree. happens, the, the thing that people tell themselves is no, uh, nobody else can take an app like me. Nobody else can. It's like, that's all false. Not true. The most important thing that you can do is a, you should be selling and prospecting. And that selling could be on the first, that phone call coming up with a plan, you know, making sure that they want to work with you and your team. But some of the big people, the people that do the biggest volumes, they don't even do that anymore. Like you, you, it's actually not true that you have to do that. It's just, it's your own thinking usually that gets in the way of you scaling. And yep. so I'm excited to see, dude, when you, I guarantee you, if you guys, if you hire an underwriter, 2018 will be the best year you ever have. Like I, I will bet money on it. Well, you'll have the best year. Because you know, this like, year, 2017, 2017, I funded five deals. Five. Well, that's not so going to be hard to I can only hope. <laughs> so that's why I saw you working so, at Subway. You were at Subway going, hey, would you like, you know, a sandwich artist? Meatball sub. Um, let's go to the questions here, if that's okay. Let's do it. Julie Stewart Boyle. Hi, Julie. Thanks for uh, tuning in. I'm interested in hearing what you think about using your personal Facebook page as opposed to a business Facebook page to build business. I heard a salesman from Japan say that the personal page, if monitored properly with content, is far more effective in reaching people. Okay, so I feel like you have to be cautious with your plan in your branding and how you want to move forward. I think if you're a one guy or one gal, branding machine. It's a very fine line between mixing those two. I'll always err on the side of keep it separate. And I'll tell you why. Uh, if you want to start running Facebook ads, or if you want to start targeting an audience, you can't do that on your personal, uh, as a, like on your personal page. It has to be through your business page. There's just so much more opportunity on your business page. And the business page is going to take you forever to grow. I started my business page uh, when I got into this business in 2010, I think. And I'm just past 615, I think, fans. It's taken a long time to get to that point. I feel like if you keep it all on your business or on your personal page, people are just going to unfollow you. Like it's just, it's too much noise. And I'm pretty sure everybody on this call has those friends that, you know, they sell protein shakes or video phones or whatever the freaking flash in the pan is these days. And you just get bombarded. And, and you just, I guarantee you, I have friends that unfollow me on my personal page because I post too much goofy so i would say keep it separate i think it depends on how serious you are and how serious you are in growing the business Uh, i have a vision of where i want to take mine and it's definitely a benefit for me to keep it separate scott your thoughts i think that you should do both i think you need to have both but i think you're right i think your personal page should be more personal than like occasionally you can do business but if it's a you had to think of a split i'm like 80 20 like maybe even 90 10 in terms of business i'd say 90 10 keep it like, keep it personal. People want to know who you are. And then the 10% of the time, they're going to be like, Hey, look, this is, uh, this is, it. this is something I have interesting, uh, but you're right. You can't do like for the personal page, you can't do a lot of like the ads and stuff, or you can't target if you ever want to get into that. I know that like, so the, I have a mortgage brokering page just got to a thousand likes. I wow. feel like 
and that's like that that's taken three years we have 3600 people in the facebook group and it's like every month there's like 12,000 reactions and comments and stuff um but yet the facebook page itself actually has not got a lot of love and so if so if you're listening to this please go like it but maybe i don't understand how to market it properly um i found the group to be very useful but of course to have a group for your clients would be kind of weird maybe but you can be a great place to be a part of is facebook groups i know that you can you can use that as a as again as long as you're not in there throwing you know throwing up a picture of your rate sheet and because i think that's just like annoying to people i actually saw tom ferry if anybody knows who tom ferry is he's a you know he's a real estate big real estate kind of coach in the states and he's very social he does a lot of video and stuff and i actually saw him speak at uh, the todd duncan event in san diego in october and he was like how many people are broadcasting this conference on Facebook live and nobody, like nobody raised their hand. And he said, Oh guys, this is crazy. Like you got to be on Facebook live all the time. Like you got to broadcast, like I'm bringing value to my clients. I'm here for you. And And I'm thinking, Holy shit, man. Listen, at the end of the day, I firmly believe that people care about you more personally in your personal life than they do about your business. And that's why it's so important to keep it separate because they need to know who you are and maintain you in their head as the mortgage person without actually slapping them in the face with Facebook Live, you know, this and that. And it can be so polluting that people won't, will end up not caring. Enough with the Facebook Live. Like, geez, nobody needs that. Nobody cares until they care. You know, when do people care about the mortgage? Well, stats show about every three to four years, right? So a year after they funded their mortgage, they don't need to see that on their feed personally. So I heard a, 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 yeah, a, a couple of things I want to, so I'm just looking at the group insights for our Facebook page and actually Rob, you are number two in terms of comments for posts and most engaged in the last month. So kudos to you, buddy. It says one. Yeah. It's like 866 comments, 258. I don't know. Great to connect with so many of you a weekend. Oh, okay. So that was the post. And then Jim Terlucas is in there, but it's kind of interesting now with group stats that you can get. And I, back to your point, I guess I got, this is my ADD, but I got, I got distracted because I was looking up basically, you know, throwing on Facebook all the time. This is what I do. Here's my, like, you know, need a mortgage, call me is annoying as heck. And I've probably in the three years we've had out of mortgage brokering, I've kicked out and blocked about a hundred people and people may not be aware of that, but it's for people that do that. They come in and they're let's mortgage brokers and they post, they're like, Hey, you know, here's my best rates. And I'm like, dude, are you dense. Like how stunned are you that you think that advertising to a room full of mortgage brokers is a, a really good idea? And I don't even often argue with them. I just boot them. I just go, you, I just can't even, I don't even want, I'll, my IQ will go down if I argue with you about why you shouldn't be doing that. I leave the office to go to, uh, to go to like social events or networking events or whatever. I don't take any business cards with me. None. Just put yourself in somebody else's shoes that you're going to go to an event and some schmuck is going to come walking up to you and go, and look at your freaking chest sticker that says, hello, my name's Donkey. And they're going to go, oh, hey, Donkey. And bam, they slap the card in your face. Like, yeah. like it's not like Gary Vaynerchuk says, don't act like a 16-year-old boy, man. Don't try to close on the very first, you know, conversation. So, yeah. I totally agree. Okay, um, rant over. Let's go to the next ones. Yeah, yeah, next one is, would you be willing to share your business, your own business plan perhaps for 2017? Redacted, of course. I don't know what that means. It means you're gonna you're gonna hide your like numbers, so you'd basically fill in it's, some. It's it's literally the same business plan that I just showed you. Yeah, but I think they want your answers to the questions. They're trying to like you know, but I, I think just you know what, it, just take if you go through the process yourself, you'll actually get more value than just trying to. There's yeah, lots of things you try. Yeah, to no disrespect, but no disrespect, but you don't need to know what my strengths and weaknesses are, right? This is uh, all. I'm not. This is about you. So devilishly um, good looks. Is that one yeah, of the obviously, Let's be honest with a super awesome photo of Ron Butler. I've had a couple of comments of people already saying, is that Ron Butler on your wall there? It James, was. what is your strategy when approaching new real estate agents for referral business? Man, I've been horrible at this. So I'm not a robot. What you see is what you get. This is exactly how I act with my referral partners because I'm just me, right? And they're going to, they're likely going to refer people to you that are like you. And if you are a shirt and tie or not shirt and tie, if you're a woman, whatever, however you are, that's how you're going to roll, right? I've never gone out with, with uh, realtors and gone, okay, so um, how can I help you improve your business? Like, that's just not me, right? Back in the day, uh, when I first started, I got a list of all the phone numbers for all the realtors in town, and I just started dialing for dollars. Honest to God, I got 99 FUs and one, yeah, you know what? Let's go for coffee. And we'd go for coffee and just, it's like a date. You know, just trying to hit it off, see if you connect, you'll go out, you'll meet somebody, 
the personality is like trying to brush your teeth with a porcupine and you're on to the next one. And that's really how I've built my relationships. And then when you find one that's really good to work with, you know, after a year or two of working with them and their clients and, and it's a good mix, maybe you lean in and say, hey, uh, I really enjoy working with you, Scott. Who in your office do you feel would kind of mirror our personality and our process with clients? And, and could you introduce me to somebody? I'm trying to build my team. And nine times out of 10, they'll introduce you to somebody. Because chances are they're at the office when somebody else goes, ah, can you believe it? Scott Peckford guy dropped the ball again on me. I, I, I'm just so fed up. I need somebody else. I'll put my comments on that too. So approaching real estate agents, what I, for the way I try to do it is I become a valued resource. I like to educate them. When I learn stuff, I go and I teach them. I'm like, Hey, and then what happens is when you educate someone, your value, your goes up in their eyes and they start to trust you in other areas. So if I would sit down and be like, Oh, let me show you some cool things that you can use in your business, Mr. Realtor, because this is not about me. It's about you. And if I help them in their business, then they, they're way more interested to help me in mine. And I found that that mindset and that strategy is actually one of the most effective things you can do. You, if you're there, hey, send me a deal. They're like, what? But if you're like, hey, let me see if I can come up with some, tell me what your business and I maybe have some ideas or some apps or services or tools that might help you. And I found that to be way more effective for building that relationship. And it's like, honestly, if somebody was meeting with you trying to help you build your business, you're going to want to meet with them. You're going to be like, I think this person's awesome. So I think that as a, there's a bunch of other stuff you could do and we don't have time to get into it. But that as from a general 30,000 foot level, that's the, what I would do. Okay, what's the next question we got here? What's your most used app? Okay, you can take, you go first, Rob. And do you use any external CRM? So, okay, so I do use an external CRM. I don't use network provided CRMs, predominantly because I'm just not, I'm not ever, I, I don't know, I'm an, only kid, I'm an only child, so I kind of like to keep the cards to my chest. Uh, I feel like a CRM provided by a network is only as good as how you are able to use it with its user experience. There's a lot of products out there that are great. I did use one. I think it was Pipedrive. I'm going to have to quickly just Google. So I would say in terms of useful apps that you could use on it, I like Gusto a lot. So that's the digital gifting platform. And in terms of when we get a lead that comes in, we'll send a, you know, a $10 card to the referral source within the first 30 minutes. And because it's so fast, because it's easy to use, I find that that's an incredibly useful app from a day-to-day Okay, so Robbie, what are you what are you gonna say there, buddy? So I'm desperately trying to find out what CRM I was using before I got on Salesforce. I'm using Salesforce now, just because I like it, and uh, it's not I'm not slagging off the networks for the CRMs that they provide, but I feel like third party CRMs you'll get quicker turnaround time with software issues or or customization, and again, you hold the data. I mean, that's this business is about nurturing your clients and not having any speed bumps along the way. The number one app I use, geez, man, I don't know. I use, um, so I, I use the CRM, the Salesforce CRM, but I also use the network provided online mortgage app to tie into FileLogics because I don't take the app over the phone. I actually tell the client, I do like a five to 10 minute phone call and then I give them the app to fill out online. And then that pushes it into FileLogics and then I can clean it up afterwards. And actually Calendly. I will tell you this, that it, the, the minute that you, this sounds so stupid, but the minute you adopt a calendar booking app for business, but also for friends, it's such a game changer. So mm-hmm. how many times have you had somebody email you say, I'd really like to get together. Maybe we can do that. And then you proceed to shoot 50 emails back and forth, trying to peg down the time and date. So much to the point that by the end of that, you don't want to actually meet them anymore because you just want to punch them in the throat. Calendly or any of those calendar apps, I use Calendly, so it's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. I think, Scott, it's like nine bucks a month. You can prepay for the year. I don't know. Yeah, I, I use have, the same thing. I use, that's actually, I forgot about that one. I use that every single day, even more than Gusto, because I schedule all my phone calls. Like everything's, because otherwise, yeah. man, it's like, it's a pain trying to, or even meetings. Face, and you can have different, uh, what I like about Calendly is you can have different meeting types. You can have phone calls. You can have a signing meeting. Yep. You can have a coffee yep. meeting. And you can yep. control the calendar so that if you're like, hey, like for instance, when we do podcast interviews, what we were doing, you could do a podcast anytime you want, as long as it was Wednesday. So I'd send you a link to the calendar and I would be book a guest and they'd be like, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. It's, that's the only day they could do it. So I don't care if it was in two months, but the point is, is that it allowed me to, to still control my calendar and not be like stressed out, right? I think Calendly is great. So Calendly, you can make different URLs for different appointments. And where that comes into play for me is we have a, we have a deal flow process when we have different, hit different stages in our process. So an automatic email will go to a client. So if Scott's approved, 
and I get the approval back, I, I click a box. Scott gets an automatic email sent to him saying, congratulations, you've been approved. Now it's time to book your signing appointment, Calendly dot, you know, signing appointment, whatever, whatever that is. I don't have to manually send that out anymore. It's just boom, 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 and it's done. And you can boom, boom, boom. And you can actually boom. schedule, boom. You can schedule what days, what times that you want those different appointments to be set at. It's really, really helpful, and it's not expensive. It's a game changer. Okay, we got to um, finish in five minutes because I, I got to. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap up in five gotta, minutes. Perfect. Wrap so, up two questions. You take it one, and we'll, you go, we'll go back and forth again. Okay, trying to be trying to be delicate here with the B side growing, and if you're more of an A side broker, what are and are considering to get into BSA with you with what you are best at in terms of. Okay, so clients are clients, personalities are personalities. A B business, it doesn't matter. I would actually say that B business is easier because they need a solution. The A business is tougher because they've got plenty of options. They can walk into their branch, they can call somebody else. I've typically have found that the, I don't do a lot of B business, but a lot of the B business files that I do, they need a solution and they need it today. So I feel like uh, don't dis, don't get discouraged by you know that personality or whatever. The clients need a solution. That's my thoughts. So get into it. Okay, um, I'll, I'll put my two bits on that and then we'll. So I I didn't do any B business or very little. I did that first for the first few years, and then I really liked the, the AAA business. And so what we currently do is we just refer it out. So. Uh, we use a company called the funding department. They do all the work and give you half the money. And I'm like, that's a pretty good trade. If it's just a name and a phone number and they're like, you know, sometimes you give them more, but I think unless you want to be good at it, but I do think at the opportunity wise, the, the beep space is going to grow for sure next year. So if you want to be in front of it, awesome. If you don't, you can still have someone else do that work for you. Okay. Next question. Yeah, somebody in your office, somebody in your office or whatever. Um, so, but don't shy away from it. Uh, thoughts on bank specialists taking away business from mortgage brokers. They can seem to do miracles. Yes, they can. My opinion is this is a numbers game. The more times you make the phone ring, the more chances you have of winning. They can't dictate their own marketing. If there's anything that we still have control over, it's our access to the market and our ability to market quickly. Got to remember that a bank employee has a effing book this big on what they can and can't do and what has to be in their Twitter profile, you know, rbc.com slash privacy, whatever. We hold the keys to a big market. So it's a numbers game. There's plenty of opportunity. Scott. In terms of the banks, I, I think that one of the things you have to be able to do quickly is identify, is this a client that I, whenever I would do an intake phone call, it's like I was going through my head, is this somebody that I can, a, want, that's a, a client for my company and can I actually serve them? And sometimes you're better off to just send them back and honestly, because what happens, what creates frustration is you start working on a deal that you think you have and you don't actually have it. So you go right up to the 11th hour, then they, they walk on you, which they were not, never committed anyway. And you've wasted time, energy that you could have spent way better on proactive activities in terms of chasing after the type of business that you can close. So I think that we have, our market's competitive. We like in terms of, you know, competing with the bank specialists, I'm like, our process is better. Our, you know, the way that went from first call all the way through, I feel like, man, if we're going to compete with them head for head or head to head, we're going to, we're going to win a lot of those deals, but not every one of them. And that's okay. You just move on. So uh, we have to go because this is this has been an, an hour. Rob, this has been a lot of fun, buddy. We should do this again sometime and maybe on another topic. You, you're, you've got a face for video, you know, and uh, you'll have to use something different on the whiteboard. You can mix up the whiteboard each time that you that, that I have you on here. I will. I'll put a different broker up on the whiteboard. Somebody's already asked why do you have Butler up on the board because. And anyway, so guys, uh, remember we're we're only human. You got to You got to look. You got to work on yourself first. All the other stuff in the market you can't really control. You got to work on yourself. And work on your business plan. We're going to post this stuff. Thanks, Scotty.